to the ANA Champions of Growth podcast. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Well before the pandemic upended our lives, brand managers debated whether the delineation between B2C and B2B marketing had run its course. B2C or B2B? Do the terms matter to buyers anymore? Whether they're purchasing concert tickets delivered instantaneously via their iPhone or a large piece of manufacturing equipment that could take up to two years to close the sale, people want the same thing from companies and organizations, connecting on a human level. Brands for humans in marketing terminology. The pandemic has only accelerated the trend and may have started to shift the ground when it comes to both consumer expectations and how brands communicate with their audiences. Prior to the outbreak, just 43% of Americans described society as empathetic, according to a Pepsi-Ipsos survey. That percentage jumped to 50% after the outbreak began. It's a slight improvement, but it still leaves a significant empathy gap. That opens up the opportunities for brand managers to widen the aperture when it comes to getting to know their audiences, reevaluating the voluminous amount of data they collect, and how to be, well, a little more curious about their customers. Dean Aragon, CEO and Vice Chairman of Shell Brands International AG, is a leading advocate for Brands for Humans. He's a 30-year marketing veteran who, prior to joining Shell, was Global Vice President for brands such as Axe Hair, Tresemme, and Sunsilk at Unilever. I should also mention that he's an ANA board member. He joins me now to talk about Brands for Humans and what it means for CMOs and marketers. Dean, thanks so much for joining me. I'd like to begin with what Brands for Humans means for CMOs at a practical level, and why is it so important right now? Firstly, thank you, Matthew, for having me. And I'm very passionate about Brands for Humans because I think, as you said earlier, whether it's B2C or B2B or the continuum of B2B2C, having an end user, sometimes you forget that we should really be focusing on the humans at the heart of our business. And that's when I started coining the acronym of B2H, which is business to humans, or more important, B4H, which are brands for humans. We should really be focusing on and trying to understand how can we serve the humans at the heart of our business better. Because if that's not what marketing is about, I don't know what it is all about. If it were not for our efforts to connect with humans, why would they trust our brands and our products and our services? Why would they prefer us over competition? Why would they connect with our content? That requires a profound understanding of the human dimensions. And from a macro perspective, what's lacking in marketing precincts that prevents CMOs from taking a brands for humans approach? There are many. Uh, I don't know how much time we have here, but I, I guess one- Well, how about the top uh, two? <laughs> I guess one big area is there's so much focus on short-term delivery. And sometimes we shortchange and cut corners and don't really understand, you know, not only the what's of what people want or what people need, but why. And I think if we focused a lot more on why, then perhaps we will have a deeper, better, sharper understanding of what's behind uh, people's thoughts, people's uh, feelings, and people's actions. How does purpose shape brands for humans' experiences? When brands take on human-like qualities, which allows uh, the brand to connect with the human consumers, customers, stakeholders, it becomes much easier for humans to engage with something that feels and 
behaves and looks very human-like. Now, nothing could be more human than having a sense of purpose. I'm sure you and I have a sense of purpose that transcends just the propagation or perpetration of our living, breathing organism. You know, why do we, why are we on earth? Well, why do we have this life? What are we supposed to be doing and achieving? What do we stand for? What do we believe in? I think the more that brands can therefore adopt those and adapt those dimensions into the business of the brand, then it would be easier for its target audience, its key customers, its core consumers to engage with these brands, to trust these brands, and to prefer what they have to offer. And in that vein, in going down that road, what effect does purpose washing have on brands for humans when brands' words don't match their actions? How acute is that issue? I think it can be acute even if you step back from purpose washing. If the purpose isn't about the success of your business, then that's probably the first sign that it's not the most appropriate purpose. How relevant is the purpose to the conduct of your business? Does it nourish your business's success? Because if it's just a side project and it's just a social cause that you want to embrace, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to embrace a brand purpose, I would say that the first thing to understand is how is it relevant to the reason for the brand and whatever it has to offer to exist? Why should its stakeholders, its customers, its consumers uh, support its success? And if you're in that close ecosystem, then the chances of you delivering against that purpose becomes higher. But if the purpose is something that is extraneous to the business, then there is a, there's a very strong likelihood that you're not going to be able to deliver because the success of your business, the success of your brand is not contingent on the delivery to that purpose. Okay. In terms of the purpose can't be this thing over here that we just sort of dabble in, you know, every now and again, it's, it's got to be embedded into the day to day. Absolutely. Firstly, if I may be so blunt, uh, it has to be about how you make money. It cannot just be only about how you spend money. And that's why for me, if you want to do a repeatable good, if you want to pursue something in a repeatable fashion, then it needs to nurture the repeatable success of your brand and of your business. And it has to be embedded in the choices, in the strategic imperatives of the brand and its business. Otherwise, it will be a clever phrase, a, an ins however inspiring, or a, a very intellectual construct that no one can disagree with. But then no one really has a clue, how do we do anything about this? How does it help us succeed? How does it change the way we do things? What are the choices? What are the content implications? And also, how does it change or influence the conduct of our business. So that's why I like to characterize it that a purpose becomes real, real and meaningful and effective when it really influences positively, powerfully, the choices, content, and conduct of the business. Okay, and staying in this vein, Dean, in late 2020, more than 350 CMOs ratified the ANA's Brands for Humans platform, which is aimed at clarifying the role of marketers in achieving the promise of stakeholder capitalism. However, there hasn't been much momentum in the last couple of years for Brands for Humans. So how are you getting CMOs to embrace the concept 
So it becomes part of the industry lexicon, of course, but at the same time becomes a real tangible measure of uh, marketing. I'd like to think that there is, in fact, a healthy momentum, and maybe it just hasn't manifested itself fully. Some of these things take time. The way to address this, Matthew, is to really look at the constituent factors that could be preventing this from really being understood, from being practiced, and from it really materially impacting the way we do things in marketing. One such area is, is there a difference between data and insights? I would say, yes, there's a very big difference. Uh, Data can give you a lot of what's, a lot of information, but unless you really understand the answer to the question, why? Why do people think, feel, and behave in a certain way? Then you're not really going to be able to have a brands for humans or a business to humans approach because humans are not just pieces of information. We are not just a data construct. We have thoughts and emotions. We have a left brain that concludes and a right brain that decides because it it has inflections on meanings. And therefore, if you don't recognize that whole brain of the humans at the heart of our business, then chances are that we will have a very superficial approach to marketing. Okay. And I want to come back to that whole brain concept in a few minutes, but just to play skeptic for a moment, Dean, what do you say to CMOs and marketers who hear the phrase brands for humans and their their reaction, at least at first blush might be, and it's a bit jaundiced, I take, I get that, but they might say, well, who else am I marketing to but humans? What does all this mean for the consumer vis-a-vis the CMO? I mean, I could go cite so many ways by which marketers can sometimes miss this because I'm sure no one will disagree with the phrase that we should really be focusing on the humans at the heart of our business. I don't think that's a very contentious point. But when I look at a lot of our marketing efforts, when I look at a lot of marketing content, it is as if the humans at the heart of our business are assumed to be humans with no heart and are all brain. I find that a lot of our a lot of the content is very intellectual, very unengaging, hasn't really understood the insights at play. And sometimes they're not very creative and very effective, therefore, because it fails to engage. In the first instance, it has failed to really understand the deep psychological levers. Mm-hmm. And how much of so with that, Dean, how much of a shift, a significant shift is needed among CMOs to make brands for humans more tangible? What are some of the best examples of real, just you can touch it and feel it rather than sort of theorizing about it? I think that whilst I might not be able to cite a very specific case that comes to mind, I'd say there's nothing more concrete than going deep into insights. There's a lot of things that people are referring to as insights in in marketing or in marketing research, but aren't really insights. They're just data points, observations, anecdotal evidence, or in some cases, just long-held senior opinions that are being peddled as facts. My simple and humble definition of insights is that they're the answer to the question why that we may have to ask several times until we get to these to the psychological levers, because it's not dissimilar to uh, you know, a doctor who tries to really understand the root causes rather than just treat the symptoms that are being manifested. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We now take a break for a brief message regarding the ANA Growth Agenda. The ANA Growth Agenda plays an important role in boosting the value of the marketing and advertising industries. The 12 point plan supports a wide range of issues that are critical to the development of CMOs and marketers. 
ranging from diversity, equity, and inclusion to sustainability to brand safety. For more information, please visit ana.net slash growth agenda. And now back to our show. My guest is Dean Aragon, CEO and Vice Chairman of Shell Brands International. And we're talking about brands for humans. Dean, as you started to touch on just a few moments ago, uh, we need to talk about data, which is a key component in this equation. In a previous discussion, you talked about how marketers up till this point have been, quote, hoodwinked, end quote, by data. How so? The abundance of data that the digital world, the digitalized world is able to facilitate is amazing. We learn more about the, the markets. We learn more about sectors. We learn more about our customers, what they do, but it's not enough. And therefore, the notion that the 21st century marketeer is a data scientist is perhaps an incomplete uh, understanding of what marketing is all about. And therefore, I posited the, the notion that perhaps a more appropriate moniker would be that the 21st century marketer might have to be a data alchemist. And if you think about you know, the fictitious abilities of alchemists, uh, it's very akin to that because you're going to have to really dig deep into insights, which is half of the, the battle. And the other half of the battle is how do you respond to the insights? How do you convert and transform those insights into very compelling, credible, uh, relevant uh, value propositions, whether they're products, services, or solutions? Okay. I want to talk about the uh, peril of failing to ask some of these questions or failing to shift. And that is part of the problem that marketers, as you started to touch on, only ask left brain questions based purely on the analytical and fail to ask the whole brain questions, which would encompass both the analytical, the left brain, and the creative and artistic sides, the right brain. Absolutely. I think that you can inundate your your playbook with a lot of information, you know, uh, what did he or she eat for dinner? Which place did they book for the long weekend? The whole abundance of data, anonymized personal data at scale, the whole social graph, this can easily mislead you in, into believing that you understand a whole lot about uh, the humans at the heart of your business. But you have to really ask why and keep asking why. When I was starting marketing 35 years ago, my boss at the time was very clear that if there was a singular ingredient that I needed to embrace and internalize is that was its curiosity. But how curious are we? Perhaps the fact that so much data is within our fingertips uh, has made us less curious, that we are already enamored uh, with all of this information as if that explains the humans whom we're trying to serve. I would argue that it's not enough, that we need to dig deeper. And perhaps a lot of the data and a lot of the programmatic facilities and faculties that are within our reach has made us work less to understand. So there is always the timeless value of, as a marketeer, being, being obsessively curious and digging deeper and deeper to know the what's, but to profoundly comprehend the why's. It's a really salient uh, point you make about all this data is making us less curious. How significant is that in the industry? Is it costing marketers in terms of brand erosion? And that's, however, gradually. So the, I guess the question becomes, is this a potential case of the boiling frog? I suppose you could argue that way. I mean, a soundbite that I have been known to say is that there's a lot of big data, but not a lot of deep data. And I love that soundbite because, again, it forces me and the team that I lead to 
just keep on digging deep into the psychology, the emotion, because humans cannot be reduced to just bits of data. We'd like to think that we're so predictable, but in many cases, we're not. I mean, a lot of the shopper data that may be picked up about what I have been buying in the past may not necessarily determine which brands I'm actually leaning towards. There are needs that are unarticulated that market research will never be able to determine. So if you're just asking what they need and you're not trying to understand why this is so, then you may not be able to have a longer game to play. And in marketing, you're not just about supposed to respond to existing demand that's articulated needs. You're supposed to understand the unarticulated needs and respond to future demand, emerging demand. How do you secure future demand when you don't even understand the actual uh, factors behind it and how it could evolve or mutate into something else? Okay. And I want to come back to what you had started to talk about, that marketers and CMOs need to be data alchemists. What are the traits of a data alchemist? I think the biggest trait of data alchemist, apart from curiosity, is the obsession to understand the answer to the question why. And I'm sorry to repeat this ad nauseum, but I just don't think we ask enough why questions because there's so much what information and what data to, to sift through that it gives the illusion that we know so much. In reality, we know so very little or mm. we know so very, we know a lot of very superficial things. We know a lot of small bits about their lives. If we just widen the aperture to their lives, we may begin to understand a little bit more about the reasons for their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Sometimes we pretend that our customers are 24-7 inhabiting that consumer or customer persona that is pertinent to our offer. But surely each of us, you and I, Matthew, we, have, we can host a number of personas across a number of products, brands, sectors. If you didn't understand the latitude of that and the various combinations, you could be misled into a very narrow, very siloed perspective. Mm -hmm. And how does Shell's Make the Future ad campaign illustrate an alchemist approach? And how is the great travel hack part of the effort? I think anyone who's been observing what we've been trying to do with Make the Future in the last six years would have picked up that we're doing something very different when it comes to uh, the topics of energy products and solutions, which is that we're trying to asimplify you know, how we communicate because it's very easy to get complicated in this space. We're trying to also engage in more in ways that are entertaining, you know, in ways that are uh, worthy of people's time and attention because we want to inspire people to understand what are the choices, what are the what are the smarter, cleaner choices that are available uh, as we supply these cleaner energy products? If we don't focus on the fact that we all need to work on this, uh, then it's not going to happen. And as we start to wrap up, Dean, tell me more about Shell's net zero emissions commitments and how Brands for Humans threads through that effort. Well, in February of 2021, we launched our latest strategy, which inspired fully by the Shell purpose of powering progress together by providing more and cleaner energy solutions. And appropriately, the, the new strategy to accelerate towards becoming a net zero emissions energy business by 2050 or sooner in step with society was appropriately entitled Powering Progress, inspired by our purpose. That requires us to collaborate with a wide set of uh, stakeholders and sectors because the, the transition to a cleaner energy system will happen at different paces in different places. And if you don't understand the contextual factors in each of these sectors, it will be very difficult to really solve or to act on what needs to be done. 
Of course, as we aim for a net zero emissions energy business uh, by 2050 or sooner, we also want to make sure that we're clear about how we respect nature on the one hand, and also how do we power lives, create economic opportunities, embrace uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion factors. But also as a business, we of course have to generate shareholder value because it is what will fuel the repeatable success of that model that will uh, provide the financing for us to keep on pursuing our net zero emissions agenda. Now, okay. Brands for Humans is a key mm -hmm. enabler of that because the Shell brand has to connect. It has to inspire demand for smarter, cleaner choices. It has to be uh, the gateway for collaborating with uh, usual collaborators, but also with new and unusual collaborators, sector by sector. That, I think, is how we can really pursue an all-hands-on-deck in one is perhaps the biggest challenge of our lives. Okay. And um, just, just to follow up real quick, Dean, and I, I have one final question, but here's the penultimate, which is, is there not enough thinking among CMOs that in terms of process that there's not enough? Let's take a look at the new and the unusual, or if not the new, let's take a look at the unusual, because the unusual could, could perhaps lead us to really some interesting insights. If there's too much attention on short-term delivery exclusively, then you will not devote quality time to also look at what's around the what's coming next, where especially if you can't really see it, not even around the corner. And that's why in the marketing business, I believe that you need to have, of course, short-term commercial delivery. How do you respond to the demand that you understand is at play today? But you also have to invest quality time, quality resources on understanding What's behind this? Why is the consumer thinking, feeling, and behaving in this way? Because if you understand the why, then perhaps you will also see where it could lead to. Where could it go? What are the unarticulated needs? What are the emerging needs and desires? And you should also design the marketing mix that will, that will anticipate that so that when that then becomes ready, then you're ready to respond to that emerging demand. If you're only playing the short game, you will never be ready much less succeed in the long game. Okay, and how do these levers you uh, referred to earlier in the discussion spark a brands for human strategy and bring it to life to leave our listeners with these really important levers? And how do those levers relate ultimately, Dean, to satisfying the C-suite? Oh, I mean, everything that we're talking about, you know, whether it's business to humans or brands for humans, this is about success. This is about growth. This is about commercial success and delivery. This is not about just doing some clever advertising or coming up with so, some inspiring lines. This is about effectiveness. But here's the thing. You cannot be repeatably successful and effective if you're treating the humans at the heart of your business in a very mechanical fashion. If you're failing to understand that we're not robots. We have thoughts and feelings that we are whole brain. There are reasons that will convince us, but there are also things that will convict us. And the combination of things that convince intellectually and something that will convict emotionally so that we develop conviction is far more powerful than just one of the two. You could also fall into the trap of just playing the emotional game mm. and everyone loving your brand and, and how you engage, but your products are not great. You need both the respect for the form and function and the value proposition of your products and services to match with or to balance with the love that you want to generate so that your brands are also bought into rather than just buying the products. The combination of buying and buying into is the recipe for repeatable success.
Is it really that soundboard analogy, Dean? We need to raise the treble here a little bit, bring down the bass here, bring contextually, up this, yes, bring, depends bring on up this depends. track. Yeah, contextually, I have, uh, in my experience, there have been brands under my care where the issue was not the love for the brand, the issue was respect for the product. Conversely, there have been situations where we had amazing products, but the brands were not connecting beyond the superficial level. There was no visceral connection. So it depends on what is the challenge that the brand and the business are facing. Okay. And uh, with that, we're going to uh, leave it there. Uh, Dean, uh, would you like to uh, share a uh, website uh, with us where uh, folks might be able to see some examples of Brands for Humans as well as the uh, Make the Future, hashtag Make the Future campaign? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, firstly, please click on the ANA website where there's more and more case studies, particularly on B4H or Brands for Humans. And we will keep on populating the ANA website with uh, wonderful examples that people can learn from. Secondly, if you're interested in what Shell is doing, then you can just go to our YouTube channel with Shell where you'll see a lot of what we're doing around the Make the Future or Powering Progress campaigns. But I also invite you to just tune in and really just start being more curious, go deeper than the what's, go deeper than big data, go for deeper data, go for insights. If not, go for human insights. And also, as you would uh, reiterate it throughout the conversation, asking the why, as opposed Keep to- Keep asking why. why, five, seven times, or, or however many times, until you get to really understand what's at play here. Okay, big thanks to my guest, Dean Aragon, CEO and Vice Chairman of Shell Brands International. Dean, a real pleasure. The privilege has been mine. Thank you for the opportunity. For the ANA Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Until next time, thanks for listening.